mythological creature I would most aspire to be is a phoenix because that meant I could rise from the ashes of my own hideous failures. So you're wanting to be burnt to a crisp every so often. Thousands and thousands of years in between those things. Doesn't happen all the time. Again, what I aspire to be, what I probably am, I'm probably a seahorse. A hippocampus. Sorry, everyone. Isn't a hippocampus a mathematical term? (laughs) You think of hypotenuse? (laughs) Hypotenuse? I I don't know about that one. All right, then, Mr. Smart Alec. How about this? What mythical creature you would want to be, what one you probably are? I would want to be a griffin. Guard some castles. Mm-hmm. Noble and shit. Yeah, lion head, eagle wings, snake tail. Yep, yep, that's a cockatrice. Oh. It nicks the snake tail. Oh, nicks the snake tail. Okay, cool. I, I wasn't crazy about the snake tail anyways. Um, but what are you actually? Multi-head bear? <laughs> Multi-bear? Multi-bear. Multi-bear. I don't know. Uh, I would I'd actually, I would say unicorn because you have a very extensive grooming regimen. I don't know. I'm pretty lazy. She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And And we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea. And today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. (laughs) Audible is offering. (laughs) Shut up. Audible. Should I sing and riff while you find the words? I found it. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. You can find us on Facebook at married to the idea. Our website is married to the idea.weebly.com where you can find all of our links and ways to contact us. As always, we appreciate your listens on SoundClouds and your reviews on iTunes. And to be fair, in 2018, I think what me and most women want to be is banshees wearing black, live in the swamp, and shriek and herald the death of those who have wronged us. Uh, yeah, I think that's everybody, but you, I mean, most specifically women, but we're not going to get political on this, uh, this podcast. We're no. going to get the least political possible. We're going to talk about an adorable children's cartoon. This cartoon is so cute. It's so cute. Aaron, no fewer than six times did you, oh, on the first episode. This animation, this writing, and this just overall feel is just top-notch we're talking about hilda hilda's adorable it's a netflix exclusive 13 episode season one so far well we hope only so far it only came out a couple of weeks ago we binged most of it in two nights and then finished the rest of it this evening before we recorded and while it may not be spooky I actually would disagree because you were saying, <laughs> too, I don't too know. Too spoopy for you. It's not spoopy. It definitely is creepy and magical and not in a Gravity Falls sort of way. It definitely has the Gravity Falls mythology, mi- uh, mystery, uh, overarching some uneasiness behind everything. Unease, yeah. There's something else going on. Question everything. Um, kind of mentality not to the point where you're 
you don't trust everything, but there's just you you want to look behind every rock. You want to turn over every leaf. You want to peek behind every tree. You it's one of those things. It's not like like X-Files like trust no one. It's more like you're walking in the woods and you you see a rabbit scamper behind a tree and you're like you're interested and you want to keep looking behind that tree and you want to try to find this rabbit so you keep looking behind the tree and you look behind the next tree and then behind the next tree and one of those trees is the leg of a giant and one of those trees is alive and it's it turns some conventions on its head by not being our world and magic is not a thing in that world until we uncover oh it's a thing like your X-Files, your Warehouse 13s, your Gravity Falls, where <laughs> only a few select know the truth about the magic. She brings up Warehouse 13 like she's been watching it for a long time. <laughs> it's more so, I would say that they don't qualify it as an alternate, alternative universe. More so that this is a world a lot like our own, but not in any place we've ever been, where magic just exists and some magic is completely understood and known and people get it and some magic is different still and crazy like they haven't heard or seen it like with uh, today's technology we've got technology that has been around for a long time that we've got technology that's been around for a long time but has taken more and more leaps or has that changes it has made changes in recent times like vr or we've got technology that is brand spanking new. You know, we've got this this kind of world that is constantly changing and we're just trying to keep up. This that imagine that but with magic. And they don't it's like they have s- telephones. I don't think they have cell phones. They have telephones, they have cars, they have TVs, they have radios. They have a lot of your typical technologies. They don't really have the internet or um in fact they make a couple like jokes. They they say like, oh, "I'll just send him an email." What? An elf mail. <laughs> so they make, you know, they kind of poke fun at it a little bit, but they use the the conventions that this world could have to their advantage and they say okay well what would be if this town was in the quote-unquote modern era maybe a few years back maybe like right before the advent of uh, internet modern enough that you have a facsimile of the girl scouts and a graphic designer is a occupation that one can support oneself on. Mm-hmm. And weather predicting abilities, but not so much that everyone has an app for that. And you're on your computer learning about things, you go to the library instead. Lots of little things that I think do a good job towards making it timeless in a good way. Not a so far back, we don't know what happened, but a much better execution of how do we incorporate magic that has always been into a world like our own, as opposed to, and recently, magic was suddenly discovered. Make it more integral to the formation of the world, as opposed to something that just dropped on our heads. Like, they try to do that in Korra, where they're like, oh, by the way, spirits are a thing, and you're going to have to deal with them every day. They try to, like, like make these two worlds like now kith you know they they try to do that they didn't play their cards quite so good in avatar because you had no idea you knew that energy was a thing and bending was a thing 
but then all of a sudden they threw spirits in the mix and it was like a completely different thing that was clearly understood in the world that it existed in but not to the viewer and spirits had always been around but they weren't as well understood in the this quote-unquote modern era um yeah just (laughs) subtle subtle reference right there i have been listening to the empty bowl podcast listen to the second episode and uh, if you haven't checked it out, I would recommend any of the McElroy family of products, but it's a meditative podcast about cereal. It is the best thing in the world. <laughs> it's so pure. And there's ocean music while they talk about berry, berry kicks, and it just makes my life. It's Justin McElroy. I'm going to admit I didn't get the concept first out of the gate. I didn't understand it, and now I do. And I don't know where they got that Berry Berry Kicks, but I've been looking for years. And if anyone knows where to get it, you tell me right now. Amazon. That's how I found like the big ass box of uh, Captain Crunch that one time. There is something so sweet about this show. And I think a lot of that has to do with the art style. It is oh, based man. off. Oh man, this, col- a- this color scheme. So Hilda, the show is based off of a series of graphic novels. And you can tell that both in design of characters and color palette. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, that color palette is gorgeous. Very fall feeling all the time. It feels so warm. It takes place over like, I want to say, four to six months. But it's all oranges, browns, and blues. Uh, actually, I would say or- or, uh, browns are your kind of your secondary colors. Your main colors are yell- like a kind of a muted yellow. Uh, a lighter blue, kind of not sky blue, a little bit of a grayer sky blue. Teals and oranges. Teal. That's yeah, like a grayer teal, orange, and a, like a real deep brown red. Yeah, nothing. Everything's on the warm spectrum, even except at for night. that blue to help kind of create contrast. Exactly, and we could talk forever about color theory, but <laughs> there is something really, really cool about the design of these characters and the colors that they're using. It feels like a fall show, even without the all the mythical creatures. And because it is a relatively new show, I will say that we'll talk about things that show up, but we won't say when they show up or how. We'll just say, I really like this, I like that. And we'll you try guys, to be spoiler-free, because it's not necessarily spoilers. It's not a spoilery show. I don't yeah. think so. And there are definitely some really cool characters. It's got a lot of influences. There's some Steven Universe feel to it. Some Gravity Falls feel to it. It has the... the There's in, definitely some anime influences. It has the distinct of a modern cartoon, as in more free, more expressive, rounder, softer shapes, uh, simpler shapes, a lot less overdrawing. Hilda herself seems to me like her head is just circles... Her body is just square, and her body is just like kind of squares and rectangles. And I mean, it's not like it's obvious, you know, that's her design. It's just, it, it's very stylized stuff. And it, she looks human or human in this world, but it's, you could probably break down her shape like two or three steps. It would be very simple. The line work looks like line work. It looks like they drew it. It has that scratchy quality to it. Adventure Time also made me think of it just in its simplistic design and its fantasy world. But there is something, I. this is not to say that it apes any of these. I think it's just a trend of comics. I'm very excited for the new She-Ra comic, and I wouldn't say that this looks anything like that. No, and She-Ra looks, the one or two stills I've seen of it looks wholly different than anything else I had seen so far. 
like there there's this just this huge wave that we are riding right now with comics and TV shows and not so much movies yet, but I, I have a feeling they're it's gonna come. Well, you could say movies like um like uh what is it called the the Captain Underpants. Yes, it was in the style of the books. Like the Charlie Brown movie where it yeah. was 3D, 2D. Exactly. That that kind of fluidity, the fluidity of it worked for it. it. I didn't hear much else about that movie. Maybe, maybe that'll be a Thanksgiving movie or something. But no hard edges. It's not your Teen Titans Go or your... Um, it has black lines, but it's, it's not... But not, not pointy thick. or... Yeah. Pokey. The whole world is very inviting, very warm, very cozy. cozy. <laughs> <laughs> and you just want to leave and go curl up somewhere with a cup of cocoa. I, I kind of wish it was a little bit cooler and the rain was coming down and, you know, we didn't have the air on. It's just enough where we needed to curl up underneath the blanket. Be perfect. All right. Uh, I want to talk about some of the creatures that we see throughout the episodes and talk about a bit about their inspiration because a lot of these take influence from Grimm's fairy tales and other more obscure fairy tales which I think is kind of cool that they don't stick to just your traditional European centric. Yeah it's not like with Gravity Falls they kind of did stick a little bit. They kind of had they they did steer from the path every once in a while like uh, unicorns and uh, they, very, they, they did kind of stick to it, well, but they original, did other, some, some other stuff too. The original creations were the best part, like Bill Cipher. Completely whole writ, like definitely influenced by that, but not by Eurocentric fairy tales. Completely third breaking dimension character. Uh, though I, you gotta admit that unicorn episode. Oh, I love that unicorn. What are you gonna do? Cry! What a, what a bunch of <laughs> bastards those unicorns were. So, uh, yes, these creatures, uh, wholly, I, I wouldn't say original, but taking the concept of some of these thoughts of creatures, like, okay, let's take a bear, and instead of just combining them with other creatures like Avatar did, uh, they're just, okay, it's a bear, but instead of it being a bear, it's actually a giant platypus. Not a platypus bear, but it's just a large platypus. And it still has the tendencies of a bear that it hibernates and stuff like that. But it is a platypus. You know, it, like, that's it, a kind of mentality that yeah. they had. Our first episodes introduce us to two traditional sort of creatures. We have trolls that turn into stone by day. That's traditional. You can go all the way back to The Hobbit for that. And then we have our elves, which in this world are sticklers <laughs> for contracts and rules and little little lines in the margins and it's very it's a very cool guidelines and bylines and sub bylines and stipulations for bylines and like you feel like they (laughs) that they get so happy just by signing contracts that's like they love that kind of stuff and i do like that our character's named alpha it's super cute i thought it was alpha oh see now okay so hilda has Bring it back to the creatures because you've now got me on a tangent. This production is Canadian based. The characters, I, I believe so. The characters. I think all, you're right because the end credits. Yeah. The characters, no voice actors that you will recognize to my knowledge, but that's because it is more of a Canadian production as opposed to a uh, American production. 
and I, it's not intentional. It doesn't it doesn't make it sound Canadian, but it does make it sound different. All the characters have a have a slight accent, vague enough that it's not like oh this is Germany, oh this is Canada, oh this is France, but they have a way of speaking that's round as opposed to American, which is more direct. So there is that again to give it that timeless sort of feel, especially to perhaps a, a more Western audience that it just feels that way. It really. There, there's a lot of things that work in this. And what happens is because you're not waiting to hear, like, we watched the premiere of DuckTales. And honestly, <laughs> I want to keep watching it because I loved the art style. I love the new direction. I love the new cast. There was, there was nothing I didn't like in that premiere. And we're already, they're already moving on to season three, I want to say. So we're really far behind. But... Because I know that the cast is fairly star-studded, I'm like, oh, I, uh, yeah, I know that I know them, I know a, them. But yeah. this one, um, it is Alfur. See, we were both wrong. A-L-F-U-R, which is a much more traditional Nordic, Eastern European sort of name. Which I thought it was just a play on Elf. So Elfa, Elfar, it's Alfur. So again, like that was the crazy thing about it. We They had a crazy uh not a crazy way a different way of speaking and forming their syllables and yeah. rounding at the end i was always wondering like why is he called alpha he's not like a head elf or anything like that so that makes... we also get some different creatures right out the gate we have the woodman who is literally i picture a jazz beatnik i picture dean from iron giant just coming in being a, a jerk and sitting down in front of the fire to r- warm up uh, we also are introduced. Let's be honest. Dean from the Iron Giant was a little bit of a jerk. He was cool. He's cool. But he was a little bit of a jerk. Like, he's a beatnik. He was a beatnik. This character is unique. Like he's not fully a jerk, but he's he not makes fully me nice. He's so he makes me so on edge because he does not have a mouth or pupils. He's literally just holes in a tree branch. This and here's it's intimidating, is what it is, and they are good at showing you that sense of off-putting. Here's um, a great way to describe this character: if you've played Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, and you put on uh, I forget which mask it is, but it's that very, very iconic mask of the I think it's the Deku mask or whatever, where the eyes are sunken in and the mouth kind of extends and is in a circle face that's what he looks like but he has a wood body if you mix that face with kind of a oh you're here mentality that's the character you would get yeah and then we have these floating bear clouds and actual talking clouds and giants and flying ravens and oh gosh there's so many things there's so many things um the mara which are things that cause people's nightmares they show up and that was really cool for me to see because i have written about mara before they they're where the word for nightmare comes from mara and the nightmare mm-hmm uh, the mara would sit on your chest and cause bad dreams uh slowly suffocating you until you died oh man since is and since it's Halloween time, this is the perfect time to bring this up. There is this illustrator artist or company even because I wouldn't be surprised if it was more than one person 
that do, that do these motion comics. Now, you don't think they're motion comics. And you scroll as you scroll through them, you don't realize that they're motion. And then something happens and it freaks you the fuck out. Oh gosh, that sounds terrifying. It is intensely terrifying. I'm going to find them again. I always got to creep myself out around Halloween. The most famous one is a guy who's walking down the street and stops when he sees a woman standing on the sidewalk. But it's late enough where there's not a lot of people around. And says, uh, or like just kind of stops and stares at her for a second. Uh, All of a sudden, he hears her kind of call to him and says, where is my baby? Can you tell me where my baby is? You know I scare easily. Don't do this to me. And like the the woman starts going, getting closer. And as you scroll through, she kind of gets like one sidewalk thing closer, another sidewalk thing closer. And and you realize that her dress is like ragged and her hair is like all messed up. And says, where is my baby? Uh, And then finally, the person just kind of like points off in the distance. So the woman like kind of slinks off in the distance uh, towards where they pointed. And they're like, oh, thank God it's over, you know? And then from that, where they pointed, they hear, you liar. And he scrolls his part, and like, and it's just a background of the, the city screen. And all of a sudden, the woman, like, zooms up to your screen and like in a motion, like an actual motion. You're not scrolling, and it's not, like, one frame at a time. It's an actual motion. And it zooms to your screen, and, like, you see her, like, bloody face and shit. It's like, holy fuck. And then, like, you like they blacked out on the street, and they come to and he realized that she had like jumped out because she had a miscarriage or someone stole her baby or something like that. But the reason I bring this up, not only because it's a creepy ass comic to give me nightmares tonight, you uh, ass. It's not, it's not as bad as that other one that, that, that other thing, uh, that shall not be named. We There's, are on there... our honeymoon in the mountains. I wasn't going to even say it. And Aaron puts on something while we're getting ready to go out to dinner. And it's a story from this guy who's a really good storyteller. But listen to how he tells this story. He, and we're he wasn't listening that great to of a him storyteller. He was just telling it in a great way. This this cave. And these kids who are just checking out what was inside this cave. And how they heard these noises through the vents in their houses. Out oh, in that's... the woods. Late at night. In the cabin in the middle of the woods where we were. Good night, babe. That's, <gasps> that that wasn't the story, but it was this guy like was basically. I telling don't want to hear it again. We have heard. Yeah. I we okay. have okay. heard enough. All right, all right, all right. So these this, this show company, is nothing like that. This company also did one. I think that kind of dealt with Amara type character, but it killed a bus full of people, and there was a couple survivors, and one person. They were they woke up on the bus while you know the bus was still like you know, full of people after it just crashed and it saw this thing coming through and it pretended to be dead. And, uh, it saw the thing again on the person's bed on the thing, like slowly suffocating. And so I think it was probably like a, their version of Amara. That is. Yep. There are Mara stories from Japan, from Croatia, um, from a lot of different areas. And that was just one. They, uh, dragons in this universe are, are worms, like as in W, Y R M S, um, you know the classic '90s spelling. Yeah, that was before. That was uh, like 1690s. That was <laughs> 1090s. Verm. There are many really cool creatures, and the way that they showcase 
terror or dread or unease isn't through jump scares, but through jump scares more elegant cousin, which is the hard cut to something that is just there. As in, you're looking at this landscape, you turn away to talk to someone, you turn back, and suddenly there is just a thing there without ceremony or consequence, just a giant thing, a thing with eyes, a thing with eyes that was not there before, a giant thing. And that's the way that it communicates fear as opposed to creeping down a dark hallway. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Ah! It's Pennywise. <laughs> uh, it's really, 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 really steeped in atmosphere, both in good atmosphere and bad atmosphere. The best example I can describe of something that steeps itself so much in atmosphere, Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus is drenched, absolutely sopping wet, drenched in Halloween. There, I'm sure there are plenty of you out there that are that disagree with me. Feel free to throw your opinion in the comments. We will ignore I would them. I, I would love to read them. I'll disagree with them, that but I would against, love to read them. That is against the rules of the internet, babe. Never read the comments. <laughs> but th- this show isn't steeped in it. It's not drenched, sopping wet, where you have to wring it out. But it is pretty well soaked. Um, to, to a good point. Marinated to the right amount. Juicy. I'd say, before we get into the characters, why don't we go to halftime and talk about our sponsor for this episode Aaron who is that beautiful beautiful sponsor well that beautiful beautiful sponsor of course is audible who is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and of course that's not married to as in with our um number two yeah that's from our twitter handle which we shall not speak of oh god yeah i keep forgetting that we have that i know people like twitter now don't get me wrong twitter's fine as a marketer for several businesses, I grew tired of Twitter almost immediately upon getting all my handles. <laughs> yeah, that is audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today. Now, we can't recommend a. Hilda, because it's a graphic novel, and we definitely recommend that you read that. But there is some recent news that would cause us to recommend a book that series that Aaron and I both have read, perhaps I more than he. Well, I read it when I was a kid, um, and I had the whole anthology. I don't think I ever finished it. I got to the second to last book and stopped because it got super boring and dark and depressing. Yeah, the sixth book tends to do that. That was a silver chair you're thinking of? Yeah. Silver chair was terrible. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince was terrible. Six books are kind of just wrecks. Yeah. For those of you who don't recognize that, the book that we are recommending today is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from the Chronicles of Narnia series by C.S. Lewis, which is narrated by Michael York. If you're not familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, you may be surprised to note, of course, if you are familiar, then you're a, a, a sweet book-reading fellow who would know that The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is actually the second book in the Narnia series, and a lot of people, it is their gateway book. Yeah, which is so weird to me because I got the anthology, so of course it was number two in the series because he wrote the 
quote unquote prologue to it or the prelude to it. So that's how I read it. I read The Magician's Nephew, which is the first book in the series. But apparently, I it's and it's telling me right here, thank you, Audible, that it is actually the first book that got published. I always thought, no, 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 you plebs. It is the magician's nephew first, and then it is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a smart move, though. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the most traditional of the Narnia series, the most young adult book where the children go on adventure and you have your three-arc story progression and your character who shows up again and again. For example, if you met Aslan in the first book and not the second book, you might get a different impression of him than you do, and it's probably better and kinder to introduce him in the second than it is in the first. Because in the first, he kind of makes just like a, a drive-by appearance. <laughs> Hi, I'm Aslan. Bye, I'm Aslan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I like The Magician's Nephew. It's oh, not God, my favorite I, I of the series. I love Magician's Nephew, and you love The Horse and His Boy. Because it's the only one that is strictly in the... Universe. The Narnia-verse, Without having anything to do with our the Pensieve children. It has some to do with them, but it's not that much to do with them. It's like... They're they're side characters. This is um this is kind of more like a solo or um It's an offshoot of the main story. Or it even, takes place um, in the universe but doesn't really have much to do with our our trilogy, like you said. What was the, what was the one that I only liked the last third of the Star Wars movie? Rogue One. Rogue One. It was like Rogue One. Where all these main characters are like like little side characters. They pop in for a couple scenes and that's it. Yeah, I liked a horse and its boy the most because it it was more fun. They worked with the universe a little bit better. Of course, I haven't read it since I was a kid. Plus, the book, the movies have really turned me off of them. So I really enjoyed Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the book, because it was literally just them going to different islands trying to find these kings, and on each island there was something wrong or weird or different or exciting that they had to like puzzle through one of the kids who's an ass gets turned into a dragon it's great it was, uh, eugene wasn't it uh no ed or not eugene um eustace eustace yeah i always remember because uh courage the cowardly dog and i really really freaking enjoyed the last book and i tell you what if you read just the last the seventh book without reading any of the others you will be so lost Please don't read it. It's it's like it's like reading the book of Revelations without reading the rest of the Bible or having any semblance of what the Bible is. It's so weird. Like, why are all these people here? Where are we? Why do they keep saying onward and upward? I don't get it. We uh, are obviously both fans of the Narnia series. Um, you know, Jesus allegories aside. Uh, <laughs> I would say, I think yeah, we were both highly, highly highly disappointed with the movies that they came out with yeah so when we heard that they were remaking these into a television series because netflix just can't leave well enough alone i you know what i'm not a fan of them deciding maybe five years it's only been 10 years since lord of the rings movies came out and they said hey we're gonna make it that into a series not even three years since the hobbit movies came out like yeah we're we're gonna do that now it one is striking too quickly, too won't divulge any... Like, do the Cimmerillion. If you're gonna just take properties, <laughs> Netflix, do the freaking Cimmerillion and see where you go with that because that's where all your token nerds hang out. That's where they love to talk about this stuff. Talk about the story of uh, 
Baron and Luthien. Uh, there's a whole bunch of crazy it, um, stories. Not Treebeard, not or the the Greybeard or whatever. No, like the most powerful wizard in the entire Lord of the Rings universe that literally does not give two shits about what is happening with the rings. There's so but- much more that you could go on besides. Let's redo the. Most popular, highest grossing book adaptation of all time. Uh, did it beat Harry Potter? I feel like it did beat Harry Potter. If it didn't, it's because one's high fantasy and one is young adult. And I don't hold either one of those against them for that. But if they decide to do something good with the Chronicles of Narnia, because that was a rare flop for Disney. They didn't execute. Like, a rare flop? Disney Let's be often, honest. Disney has more hits than duds just through their prolificness. And while it did well, I don't think it was the best adaptation. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One being Liam Neeson as Aslan. I didn't believe that for a second. Oh, I didn't mind him as Aslan. I did not like Tilda Swinton. I don't like Tilda Swinton anyways. And um, yet another actress to Aaron's list. Yeah, I'm sure someone out there is compiling it. Um, I didn't like Tilda Swinton as the White Witch. Did you uh, like Mr. Tumnus? I did like James McAvoy as Mr. Tomnus, which that's one of his first big roles, so too. So sweet. Oh, I love his little furry legs. <laughs> I, I didn't mind Liam Neeson as Aslan, but if they recast him, I, I'm, I'll be okay. But no, I, I just don't care for Tilda Swinton. She was okay in Doctor Strange. I, I was able to kind of push past that. Netflix, start with The Magician's Nephew. Like, Everyone knows Lineless Wardrobe. Start with the obscure one. Or, like, do it at the same time and then, like, release it as, like, do you want to know where the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe actually came from? Do you want to know why all the animals can freaking talk? Why is there a lamppost? A freaking exactly. Like, and it's so funny because everyone's like, oh, it's so mysterious. Why is all this? They explain it in the freaking book book i i it always just like infuriated me so yes we recommend the lion the witch of the wardrobe uh go and read the books because the books are much better than movies uh this should be the name of our podcast the book is better than movie <laughs> if you want to listen to that book because you're a busy person you don't have time to read a 6,000 page anthology you definitely have time for four hours and 21 minutes just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea where you can download it and start your free trial. All right. Child. Going, ba- going back to Hilda. <laughs> going back to Hilda, the main focus for this podcast. I really like that it's a story about a girl and her mom. And her mom understands where her daughter is coming from. It's not a we don't understand each other Freaky Friday sort of thing. It's I know the world we're living in. Yes, magic exists. Yes, we're in the wild, so you get to run off and do whatever you want. But I'm also not a fairy lightheaded person where I don't realize that there are dangers out there. Oh, they're dream child spirits. What are we going to learn if I today? Let's do baby yoga and meditate. Oh, yes, yes. Let's become more in tune with our hair follicles, and then we'll never have the shampoo again. It's not like that at all. She's her mother's very oh, much no. down, down to, to earth, one hundred percent. And we just did it again. That's the second one of the episode. That is two babe. in a row, basically. All right, because now you know all I'm going to be thinking about for the rest of the half hour is how to make it happen for a third time. Anyways, I really do enjoy that they have a good relationship, and it's it works. They obviously learn from each other and grow more. It's not stagnant. But it's very much in a good place. And it's never, oh, I should set my mom up with a 
boy because she needs one. I, we don't even, we don't know a dang thing about her father. Nope. Nothing. Never mentioned Never. not once. Never mentioned. I bet Never. that's going to be a plot that may be some sort of a I plot point so. later on. But it's if it's not, it's not needed. Let's discuss that. So if it is a plot point, it might be a tired plot point. I would prefer if it's just a single mom and her daughter, which is what many families are like, where the father is non-existent or not anything to do with their family unit yeah hilda isn't like pining for her dad like oh if only my dad was here you know she 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 they have not even mentioned it they have not mentioned that something happened to him that that he left them it's just that he, he he's just not there and it's okay it's not detrimental to the series whatsoever it's not detrimental to the characters at all mm-hmm um, and I got to agree with you on this. The The character development with their relationship is not, it's not like they have a huge arc where they're like, they hate each other at the beginning of the series and then they like each other or it's at the season and they like each other at the end. No, they like each other at the beginning. They like each other at the end. They have spats and, you know, they disagree with each other, but it's not to the point where they're like, I'm your mother, so you have to listen to me. She respects her daughter's opinion, even though her daughter is like 10 or 11, you know? And it's not like to the point where, well, okay, Hilda, you're an adult now, so I'll listen to you. It's more like maybe she knows what she's talking about to, you know, to an extent, but, you know, maybe she knows what she's talking about. It's maybe a bit like Lorelai and Rory, just a really good mother-daughter relationship. Not all in their character development, not all in their character more so that they have a good relationship that isn't defined by anything else besides how they interact with each other. I would agree with that um, with an asterisk. Hilda has two friends that she makes in Trollberg, uh, the city where she has to move to because her house gets destroyed in a plot point we will not mention. Yeah. And she doesn't like the city at all. She thinks it's too tight and crowded and they'll never see anything cool there. And they do a very good job of not making Trollberg like a mean bad town it's not new york city it's literally just a normal town with a wall around it to keep out the magic stuff and of course she thinks oh so no magic could ever happen and then very quickly you realize no there's all sorts of magic happening here it's just different and she makes two friends on the sparrow scouts uh, one is frida who has a very cool character arc. She is a by-the-rules sort of girl. She's earned all the badges at Sparrow Scouts, and she always has a plan and a big binder and a to-do list and a clean room. She's They actually, though, make that into a cool and interesting point in how to dissect her character more and how to have her grow as a character, too, as opposed to just being, I'm strict and stiff and I get things my way. They, um, they all of them work together uh, David is the other child. Uh, he's a boy who always has a bug on him, and we don't know why he always has a bug on him, but we're very certain there's a reason for why he always has a bug on him. And he's afraid of... I'm doing of, this because I know it's going to annoy you later. <laughs> he's afraid of everything. He's so very much afraid. But he also is just... Also, they're all very likable, and they all have a good interaction together, and they learn to trust each other, and they don't make each other feel bad there is a distinct lack of bickering and if there's an argument it's for a reason it's for character development it's not let's make each other feel bad because we're friends which so many of the disney shows kind of fall into all the friends just kind of spar with each other and make fun of each other's deficiencies and inadequacies as opposed to just saying 
that was really good. Good job. And, you know, you did it differently than I did, but you know what? You did it right. But they're also not afraid to say, you know what? You've been tracking us into scary situation after scary situation. And frankly, we're kind of tired of it just because it's always so scary. I, I enjoyed the realness of it, of these kids. I didn't feel like I was watching actors play these kids. I felt like I was watching these kids be themselves just in animated form. Um, you know, I obviously I can't attest that these actors are actually these kids in just animated form, but it felt that way. They felt genuine. They felt real. Um, a lot of it probably there's, I, I always do this in every episode. I don't know who to, who to give the credit to, whether it's the acting, the writing or the directing, but I think it's a lot of times it's a mixture of the three. Um, and that shows that it's really good writing, acting and directing. So they, um, did a really, really good job with these characters. I would say, honestly, there's only a couple quote-unquote stereotype characters and even they aren't that stereotyped um there's one little bit of a bully character near the beginning of the series or season and he, he is dispensed with quickly not in a they killed him and buried him <laughs> in the floorboard sort of way but he's just not interesting they get rid of him very quickly but it's a way to show children who just are mean because they're scared and they don't understand different things. Hilt is very good at understanding that it's okay to be different and to embrace each other's differences. Whereas these kids are more traditional where if there's something different, it makes them feel uncomfortable and so they lash out. Kind of like uh, the house with a clock in its walls, you know, embrace your weird, you know, and That's even the still for this Halloween, embrace your weird. There's a couple of, uh, in one episode, she's trying to make friends, and before she meets uh, Frida and David, she meets this group of kids, and one of them becomes, not necessarily the bully, but the one who's like, you're really weird, I don't like you. The other three- well, they're being mean, they're throwing bir- stones at birds. They're yeah. just, they're, they're kids, let's not be wrong, all, all kids are guilty of being cruel at times, they don't have empathy yet, but- in a, again, realistic way, not in a, you just got to town and I don't like you and I'm going to make your life a living hell bully that shows up every episode because I think the 80s have passed. That bully does not exist anymore. And it still exists. There From are someone people... who grew up in middle school and high school with a person who made her life a living hell, I don't think that exists anymore. As someone who grew up with many people who made their life a living hell, I was on a bus and a guy made me sit down and he put his ass on my head. That happened to me too. There is an underlying plot, but mostly it's episodic. Each episode self-contained. Maybe an element that you then might see later, but it's not Gravity Falls quite yet. There's no overarching plot that's lingering at the mystery behind that, that, all of this that that big mystery the big one i would say it's probably closer to steven universe in there is some mystery but there's not that much mystery of course later episodes and seasons of steven universe they do get that but we're just now in the just in the end of the first season and in the first season of steven universe they never really got into an overarching story they had a couple like you know maybe a couple episodes of things but 
how they all they would do really is just it would be more episodic you know put steven in this situation see what happens put pearl in this situation see what happens put steven and amethyst in this situation see what happens you know there is a lot to that could happen i'd be very interested to see if they find what that plot is later if that is a plot at all i think if it were to be something it would be how this town so far we've only ever seen this town and the forest or woods where um hilda and her mom lived and that's it that's all we've got so far a town that's barricaded itself against the scariness magic of the outside world and the outside world. We don't know if another town exists. We don't know if what the rest of the world is like. There are no vacations or cruises or trips outside of the wall. Well, they do like uh, a camping trip, but it's still within city within, walls. Exactly. And we don't know why Hilda and her mom were out in the woods to begin with living out there all by their own. It's weird because she still works for a living. She's not like a lumberjack woman. She does her graphic design work and she has clients. So, yeah, how does she have those clients? So, that and the thing is, too, is even though they've built these walls to protect them from the monsters and the magic and stuff like that, they're still really, really accepting of creatures and of different things. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, they have a festival trying to give offering to a bird spirit and it's something else entirely but it's still it's it's a really really neat episode oh it's so cool that's why i love every it. episode is everyone really neat. you know it does that it does that thing where the scary thing turns out to be not scary but in a very nice and pleasant way uh the most tropish i think was the last episode but i'll forgive it that because usually it does a very good job at subversion and uh, there were some episodes, uh, like when they tried to burn up the contract that's keeping these two elf communities at war with each other, where it turns it delightfully on its toes. And I really appreciate that. It's going to be interesting to see what other characters and creatures they come up with as they go forward. And I don't know if they're trying to build up a war between them and the trolls, but those are some of the most reoccurring creatures that we see in the episodes and they seem to be the ones that are most terrifying to everyone the trolls that's true um and it, it's really funny because it's it's a very big metaphor for not understanding and not maybe taking the time it's it's based in fear and there is a whole episode kind of based around the trolls but some of the things, like if you take the time to just kind of stop and not necessarily even study it, but just stop and look or stop and realize what's happening, you realize it's not that bad. Yeah, and I think that's why it's hard to get an overarching plot right now because all of the creatures have reasons for the things that they do. None of them are just in inherently humans are bad, must be destroyed. None of them, really. No, None of the humans are bad. None of the creatures are bad. No one is bad. Some some of them are misunderstood. Some of them are... Choose to misunderstand because it fits better into their ideology. Some of them might misbehave or some of them are just lazy or something like that. Or they, they are set in their ways or something like that. It's just... It's not black and white anymore. It's all the different shades of gray. And because of that, you've got... You know, people who are, you know, closer to white, you know, this sounds super racist, 
you know, closer you to... You can say light and dark. Light and dark, you know, closer to Back the... Back in, uh, in the day, so light and dark, you know, right now has connotations about light is good, dark is bad. Um, light and dark goes all the way back to fairy courts. There were two fairy courts, the light and the dark. And neither one were good in the sense of on the side of righteousness. One was just in light, one was just in dark. But they were both fairly mischievous and evil when it came to it. At oftentimes, the light court was the one that was the worse for humanity than the court of dark. So when we say that, we mean as in there are different spectrums and they're trying very hard to not have one side be completely right all the time, 24-7. Even Hilda, she often breaks the rules, but a lot of times she obeys them because she's afraid of what will happen to her or she knows it's the right thing to do even though it's not what she thinks is the right thing to do she it's kind of like she's breaking the rules for the right reasons yeah she's not that awful precocious where she breaks the rules and it always turns out for the right reasons and everyone's like ah, i should have just listened to you 10 year old girl <laughs> <laughs> why we should have listened to you all along no, she she's not always right. She doesn't always do the right thing. She always has the best intentions. And she always tries the hardest. Yeah. She does all sorts of crazy things. She talks to a storm to that she not she not even talks to a storm. She manages to moderate Mod- a storm. That is the most British thing I have ever heard of or Canadian thing. You I, will I all mean, have your chance you to want. speak one at a time, please. That is, that is a great section or a great section of that episode. And then that, that how that episode ends, I mean, not with where Hilda goes, but where another character ends up. It You're kind of like, they leave a lot of loose threads. You're kind of like, okay, so what's going to go on with that? Or what, what about this? So they leave, I think they leave a lot of open doors thinking that. Open doors ma- to other dimensions. <laughs> open doors to maybe further storylines or plot points or something like that, which I'm okay with. This, They wrap things up in a way that, yes, things could happen further on down the lines, but not in a way that it's too neat or it's or not neat enough where the story itself didn't actually get resolved. All right then. So before we wrap up, oh, I haven't even got to talk about the animation. Oh well, okay. So here, let me ram- <laughs> let me ramble about the animation for a couple minutes, and then we'll then we'll get to uh, the the before the wrapping up. So I was instantly impressed with this animation. Um, the way they animate the uh, dialogue and how they animate how the characters speak instantly drew me in. That it's just a way, that how they do it, it's it's a very squash and stretch style, which always is one of my favorite ways of animating. Um, we Liz's old roommate from SCAD, Jenny, who has educated me beyond anything I could have ever dreamed of in animation uh, always kind of taught me why I like certain things. I was like, Oh, I always like this animation. I always like this. I don't know why I just do. She's like, well, what do you like this certain thing? Oh yeah. 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 Well, do you like this certain thing? Eh, not as much. Okay. Here's why you now like it. So oh, it was crazy to hear from an animator. She always had wildly unpopular opinions from an animator's perspective about Disney movies, which are always really fun to hear. Oh God! But if she liked something from Disney, she loved it with a passion. So it was kind of fun to hear, um, and it's always fun to talk about. She movies had with her. her DVD case 
with every single Disney DVD inside it, along with all the Studio Ghibli films. And we're, we're not like, oh, she had a lot of them. No, literally almost every single Disney DVD As out. of 2012. So yeah. we don't know since then. Yeah. Maybe we'll need to have Jenny on the podcast. No, we need to have Jenny on the podcast. Oh, I know what movie will do for that. So instantly, I'm in love with how they animate, how the characters talk, the their dialogue choices. The fluidity of how the characters move, just another knockout, uh, just amazing way. Um, I don't know what animation company did this, but they need to keep just keep the ball rolling. They are amazing. It all feels cohesive too, but they do something unique. And I know you saw it because I pointed it out to you, but if they do a far away shot, they will actually simplify the animation to the point where people's faces have a lot less detail. Like whereas uh, Hilda has, you know, her eyes are white and then she has like the black uh, the black pupils her face would literally just be black pupils and then a mouth line you can also tell when they play around with the scale because like we said there are teeny tiny elves smaller than your hand and giants the size of mountains so they have to be ready to simplify these characters at any given notice especially the first two episodes are all about that scale difference oh, so they yeah. have to be ready for that and it's it's so fun that that they use that as their basis for those couple of you know first episodes because they used it throughout the rest of the series. So if they were in a faraway shot. People didn't look like elves, but they used that same kind of concept for simplified legs, simplified arms, simplified face. So it was very very well done. I thoroughly enjoyed the show visually beyond just the color palette. Because of the animation. This show is visually pleasing. But I knew I wanted to kind of bring that up. So, what's the question? Oh, well, I was over here eating popcorn watching you animate. But my question is... I actually kept my arms down while I was talking I too. know, you've gotten very good at not pounding the table to emphasize your points. Uh, my editor thanks you. So, my question would be... What do you see, what do you want to see for season two, if not in terms of plot development, uh, what other creatures would you want to see them subvert? So one episode, they brought out a really kind of fun character, not a fun character, but they just brought out a character, or rather a creature, um, that was a water spirit. They didn't do much with it. But they did enough that it just made me really interested. I would love to see something else with that water spirit. Or I would love to see what they would do with any kind of aquatic. How did you know I was going to say the same thing? And that's our third. Oh, <laughs> you did that on purpose. No, I swear to you. I was thinking, you know, I really liked the simplicity of the water spirit. But all we've ever seen is things in the air and things on land we have not seen a lot of things in water and there's a whole bay in this town that hasn't really been explored yet i would love to see them encounter some hippocampuses or some other water spirits that would be really really cool i uh, i have to say like there's there are some really 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 neat ideas that this show ed um, executed really really well so Obviously, we're fans of this show. It's definitely okay for younger children to watch, not your three-year-old. There are still some 
things that are, you know, like we said, unsettling. Yeah. I wouldn't say this is a show. I would say maybe five and below might be a little too much. Depend. I, I would go case by case. Like if you've got someone who's like who can handle that stuff, it might be okay. But elementary students would like it. Oh yeah. Maybe not primary. Yeah. I I already recommended this to my uh, coworker and his daughter, who is I want to say like seven or eight. So I was like, your daughter would probably absolutely enjoy the crap out of this. Super cute. Super nice. Yeah. Super real. It's not just saccharine, sweet, rainbow bright. Yeah, it's not like, you know, even though they look different than us, oh, God, they no. deserve a lot of love and hugs. It really is a case-by-case basis with them, too. There are creatures who are inherently wrong. We have something we encountered down in the sewers that is necessarily a bad thing. Ooh, it's not. It's, but it's, it's not like a, a good lo- thing. It's like a... Not lawful evil, it's like a neutral evil or something like that. And the Mara, which deal in nightmares, definitely don't want to scare Yeah, but kids. they're more like... they. I love what they do with them, how they make... I won't say, but I love the subversion of the trope of how they just turn into a gaggle. And yeah. then they just tell stories on the campfire about all the terrible things they did. I love it. It is actually pretty cool. If you have a child, um, boy or girl, this is not a girly show by any means. And that's not an insult either. It's more so that it's not concerned with conforming to gender stereotypes. Exactly. The main character is pretty kick-ass, but she's very much wanting to help out people, uh, big and small, or you know, creatures of all shapes and sizes. The thing that you need to remember is... Twig is the best thing ever. <laughs> I knew that. The, all of your awes from the first episode were her little deer fox just curling up or making a little face. <laughs> this little thing is the most adorable. You have that character show up again. You loved Pabu in I Korra. I do love Pabu. I, I, st- the, the I can first tell because your voice Pabu, goes high pitched when you say it. The first season Pabu was much more funny and cute. They they, they just kind of pushed him to the su- to the background. Because it's not a kid was... show anymore, dang it. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, look at Pabu. I did enjoy Twig. Twig was a nice little, he wasn't cutesy, but he was cute. <laughs> and of course, uh, just so happens, right at the end of this, Netflix like, oh, if you enjoyed that, you should enjoy this. And it's like, it's uh, Creep Out or something like that, which looks like this generation's Are You Afraid of the Dark. Another spooky anthology Oh series. my, yes. Goodness <laughs> like, me. Uh, like, let's see if this is good or not. <laughs> we hope you've been enjoying our Halloween programming. Like we said, we're going to try, we are going to do one a week of some sort of Spoopy, folly, magical, Halloweeny movie or TV show to talk about. And then the last episode, which Aaron of, is very uh, excited about. Excited? I don't know if that's the right word. Dread. Yeah. Um, Unease. I I might have to drink before we watch this. <laughs> like, like uh, that'll facilitate clear and rational thinking. Yeah. Like we can't. I don't know if we can watch this on a night that kids will be there. So. Oh, so this is gonna be your Disney's live action Beauty and the Beast. Got it. Yeah. How did you not think that was gonna happen? Yeah. Exactly. So. We were brought to you by Audible.com, or sorry, not Audible.com, AudibleTrial.com slash Married to the Idea, where you can get a free Audible 
audiobook. A free audiobook if you just go on and sign up for a free membership. So, if you guys have any ideas for a future podcast uh, for us, please drop it in the comments or shoot us an email. We'd at love to hear married it. to the idea reviews at gmail.com. And we are still, uh, have, we do still have some stickers that we'd love to give away. Also, share the page. Um, I'd love to get the word out. We've got um, a couple new likes last, uh, you know, couple weeks, uh, but we'd love to uh, get the word out. So, but until the next spooky episode she's been elizabeth he's been aaron and And we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea